0: I'm Brandon Briscoe and welcome to another episode of the Postscript Shorts where we interview students from the Living Faith Bible Institute, and we give them an opportunity to share with you all of the amazing things that God is doing in their life and in their ministry. And so it gives you a sneak peek into what our students' lives are like and how God is equipping them to do the work of the ministry and the mission. And so we're excited for that. Every time we get to sit down with students in the school, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's enjoyable for me. And with that, I want to introduce you to Hunter Spisa, of Living Faith, Lee Summit. Hunter, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me here. It's it's
0: really good to have you here. Um, We interviewed your brother recently. I'm sorry. And so- (laughs) Just kidding. So we figured, like, we gotta keep it fair, right? We gotta keep it even. (laughs) So if we interview Blade, well, we've gotta interview Hunter too.
1: I'm here. I'm more than happy, man. You, you invited me, so I came. I'm not going to argue. No,
0: no, no, dude. We're excited. You guys are actually so different. Even though you're serving in the same church, your responsibilities in ministry are quite different. And so um, I'm excited about you sharing that with everyone. And so maybe just begin with like, what do you do career-wise, who you are in your in your personal life, and then also your ministry and how all those things kind of collide in, in this piece of home?
1: Yeah. I'm a small animal veterinarian, so dogs and cats. Um Pretty much, I mean, ever you know, you kind of hear the same story. Ever since I was a little kid, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I was not saved until I was twenty. Um, but once, kind of, once I got into that career path, it changed a lot. Like most people, mm-hmm. um, it was animal science. I had a lot of very money motivated, so I went from food science to like swine virology and dairy cow stuff to back to veterinary medicine. But um,
0: is vet- veterinarian medicine pays better than. What'd you say, swine? Swine,
1: like study of viruses. Sounds terrible. The
0: word swine alone (laughs) makes it really unappealing.
1: It's very unbiblical, too. That's not, (laughs) you know, I guess unholy, too. So maybe that's why I took the other direction. Yeah.
0: So you've been doing that for how long?
1: Five years. So I'm pretty much five years in now. And you practice in Lee Summit? Lee Summit. Yeah. Um, So that's where the church is at. So Mm -hmm. fortunately, very, uh, it was a huge answer to prayer because the the veterinary practice is like five minutes from my house, five minutes from the church. Wow. It's a. Major answer to prayer, and I actually took a job specifically that had no on-call, no emergency. I didn't do large animal because you're on-call, you know. Oh yeah, they can call you in the middle of the night, and for ministry, that's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just even though I liked some of the, the large animal aspects, yeah, it wasn't even an option yeah, because that, of ministry. So.
0: Yeah, these are small sacrifices you make in order to focus your attention on the ministry. Yep. So tell us about your wonderful wife. Carla. Carla mm-hmm. Speezo. You yes. know her very well. Yeah, she's the best. Tell us yes, tell you, us
1: about her. Well, she's pregnant. So are you, know, are you announcing
0: that here? Are yeah, you are right. you allowed to did you get permission for that? Yeah. It's, okay. It's, good. It's, it's public. Don't worry. Okay. I know good. you're gonna ask about it at some point. Well, when so, I was told it was a secret, so ah, it's no longer a secret. It's no longer knows. a secret. Okay. Fantastic. It's so exciting.
1: It is. So yeah, but no, we actually met at Midtown. Uh, mm-hmm. we met in Midtown 2015. She invited me to a a worship matter house. I was off at college at the time, actually in vet school, and then um, met her here. wasn't looking wasn't looking to date anybody at the time, and but she was awesome. She was actually hosting the worship night, and so I know I had a lot of conversation with Dan, a lot of conversation with my brother um, who was in worship team with her, and then mm-hmm. Eric Phillips who was also in the praise team with her. Yeah, and so just a, that was my way of getting to know her for for a, at least a year before we and, actually talked. Yeah, and then
0: you guys kind of dated long distance a little bit you were for about two years a couple hours away yeah for about two years yeah um and then tell us about ministry what are you doing at living faithly summit that's been a church for six years now Mm -hmm. you've been there since the inception just about just about yeah you came in around the time the church was being planted and um what are you doing now in ministry tell us about that
1: it's been pretty transitional recently. So we were helping with the young adults ministry for, I mean, up until very recently, we were with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we served in children's ministry, young adults ministry. We led some of the young adults Bible studies. I led a um, a Bible study in the Longview Community College campus mm-hmm. as well. We've pretty much transitioned out of all of that in the past two months. Um, so Dan actually asked us to, um, Van Sneed and I, to co-lead and adult fellowship mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. And so we've shifted out of young adult ministry to focus on that. Um, we're focusing on, we're starting up an FOI ministry, so Friends of Internationals, um, which is right now, it's pretty slow going, but that is what we're hoping for and praying for in Lee mm-hmm. Summit. Um, so we're starting that up, but because of the extra responsibility, I had to step out of children's ministry. Um, and that's yeah, pretty much Yeah, in the early
0: years of a church plant, you're wearing all these different hats, like yeah. things that don't even go together. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you clean, my jobs are to clean the bathrooms and to mow the lawn and do international student ministry. Like it's all these different things. And then as the church has grown, you have to get more focused in your objectives in order to share the load of ministry and be more efficient. And and so this fellowship mm-hmm. that, that you guys have just started, this is kind of a new thing for the church and a really cool opportunity to invest deeper into people's lives.
1: Yes, very new it's a huge need that the church is i mean we've needed we've needed this for a long time Mm -hmm. Um, we have bible studies in the church and this is just coming from dan there's bible studies but it's very hard for people on a sunday morning to know how to how to get plugged in from a sunday morning into right closer you know closer intimacy with people from the body and so the adult fellowship really provides an avenue for the adults to know how they can get like the avenues for them to actually get plugged into ministry, right.
0: yeah, which is a great is a great thing. Yeah, and a lot of churches refer to this as Sunday school or whatever it is, but it's a class, it's a collective of people that that um, that you have the opportunity to mobilize and to help train. So it's very cool. Yeah. So let's go back. Let's go back in time, um, and let's talk about Little Hunter <laughs> running around. What's what was life like in Lee Summit as a kid, being raised up by by your awesome parents and. Share, share some of the testimony. I mean, I know Blade in the previous episode of people listened to the interview with Blade. They they heard him share some of that. But from your perspective, mm-hmm. what was growing up in Lee Summit like?
1: At the time, I definitely didn't realize how much we had, to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh, and looking back on it, we were you're not spoiled in like a snobby way. My parents actually, I think, even not walk, not having a walk with the Lord, um, really raised us with some foundational mindsets and principles that really became a good platform. Um, even in my future, you know, after Mm -hmm. I got saved. But my parents were awesome. So we were, and this kind of ties in again to the religious upbringing. So we were raised Catholic, um, went to a Catholic school. Uh, My whole family is Catholic Catholic on both sides. My parents are some of the most, as you know, probably the most hospitable people that I know. A lot of connections, my dad builds homes for a living. For as long as I can remember, I, I know that intellectually, there was never a time where I didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God, even though I didn't really know what that meant. Mm-hmm. That he died for my sins, that he was God in flesh, that he rose from the dead—like I believed all this. Yeah, those, you had all, all the per- pertinent
0: things. information. Yes. Yeah,
1: I believed all of it. We, I remember we watched the uh, the Passion of Christ. My parents actually watched the Passion of Christ, and I I know <laughs> I knew that I needed to be moved by it, but I didn't understand the implications of of his death, burial, and resurrection. It's mm-hmm. so, like I remember them watching it, and then me going to my room and forcing myself to cry because I knew that I needed to be broken over, it, but I just wasn't. It was just very, it was a very weird, very weird mentality.
0: Yeah, but you were, you were grappling with it. I yeah, mean, absolutely. You knew that there, was, there had to be something more to your life, mm-hmm. but the disconnect was, okay, I have, do I have to be a good person to earn favor with God? Um, or am I supposed to surrender something? There was just a lot of questions revolving around what it meant to be a Christian.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I accepted the fact and fully believed the fact that Jesus was the way that th- like I needed his death and his resurrection to to pay for my sins. like mm-hmm. I fully fully believe that. But yet, at the same time, I remember being a little kid, and you know in the Catholic Church, you you go to a priest, you can you know you go to confession. And so I remember fearing a lot that there was always this constant fear that if I, if I were to die and I hadn't gone to a priest like immediately before dying, was I actually going to go to heaven? Mm -hmm. And so there was constantly an insecurity. The culture combined with the religious system, there's this performative mentality where I always have to be on my best, I have to be perceived well. And I was, I was kind of the Mm -hmm. goody-goody kid. It's weird to say, but like parents liked me, teachers liked me, and yet internally I was dealing with tons of internal anger all the way through high school. lots of insecurities, but really just like the anger, the anger issue. Mm-hmm. And it's because I ultimately was trying to be a good person and I knew that I couldn't. Which is crazy frustrating. Oh yeah, yeah. As, as a kid too. Like yeah. I remember giving up things for Lent as a kid, knowing that it was wrong and nobody had ever told me that it was wrong. Like you know you know the hypocrisy, you see it as a kid, even if you don't understand it. And uh, so there's just constantly this internal conflict within me and it just, for me, it manifested as, as anger internally.
0: Mm. Did you Do you feel like you took that—so you graduated high school, you went to college to study,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you knew you were going to work with animals. Where did you go to college?
1: Kansas State for four years for my undergrad.
0: So you did four so. years there, and then you did how many years at MU? Three, four years. Three, four years. Four so years. Eight years of school. Sadly, yes. Wow, that's incredible. That's good for you, though. So tell us about how you came to Christ and, and, and those years. Um, how is it you came to realize that Jesus Christ was more than just, you know, this— all-seeing
1: eye. <laughs> so, as a Catholic, you're kind of taught a couple like or a couple verses each Sunday, but I never or op- never opened a Bible till I was 18 years old. Mm. And so, it was uh, my freshman year in the dorm. My RA invited me to a Bible study, and to me, I mean, my my I politely told him no, thinking that like that's a cult. I'm not going to that because people that study the Bible are cultish. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's that was yeah. the mentality, yeah. and I had nothing <laughs> against him. Yeah. Uh, but the cool thing is, is that he invited me. I said no. His life and his brother's life looked clearly different, and there was it was very attractive. Like there was something about it that I wanted. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, you know what? I'll go check it out. Yeah. So over the course of the next year, I was in that Bible study, a Sunday night Bible study, a uh, campus. I got plugged in with Campus Crusade, uh, just a campus ministry. So we met weekly, I was part of a church on campus. It was just a non-denominational church, part of a, I use this loosely, but they called it a discipleship group. Mm -hmm. And so I was part of a discipleship group, kind of like part of a prayer ministry through a different parachurch organization. You were doing
0: all the stuff.
1: I was very busy and yet I wasn't saved. And intellectually, I believed everything about who Christ was, what he did, who he said, like I believed it intellectually. And if anybody would have asked me if I believed it, I would not have not have hesitated to say, yes, I believe that. Mm Long story short, all the relationships I had with my parents, friends, the girlfriend I had at the time, they were just kind of going downhill. The hypocrisy was catching up to me. yeah. And I hit a really low point. And I just remember sitting at one of the campus ministry meetings at Campus Crusade, um, hearing the same gospel I'd heard a hundred times, if not a thousand times before. And it just, you know, it sank. That's the moment that I realized I cannot save myself. Christ had, if God didn't do it on my behalf, there's literally no way that I would ever be able to be righteous in God's mm-hmm. eyes, so I make that decision, and then I still had one foot in the world at that point. Um, and still, probably two or th- two or three years after that, into my into my vet school year. So that was that was my sophomore year when that happened. I was 20 years old. My freshman year of vet school, and I was kind of on my own. So I didn't have a like I had no church. I had no Bible study. Um, There's only two other believers that were in my class with me, that were mm. that were vet students who were yeah. who were believers. Both of them were female, so it was just different. I was trying to figure out doctrinally what I believed. The The cool thing is, is at the time, so I was at school, I was saved, but then Midtown was, I classified Midtown as my home church. My brother, you know, Blade, mm-hmm. he, he shared his testimony um, on a previous PostScript, PostScript episode. But so I'm off at school, I get saved, he gets saved about six months after me, and you know, my parents were still Catholic at the time. I wasn't going to go to the Catholic church when I came back to visit them. No offense to them, but I, I wasn't right. going to. Yeah. And so I knew Blade had had previously or recently, you know, gotten plugged into a church. So I just said, Hey man, like I don't know anything about your church, but you know, can I join you? Like, is that cool? And he said, Absolutely, like, come be part. I'm off at school, but coming back about once a month. I was part of a um, an evangelical Presbyterian church. They were, they wouldn't say it, but they were a Calvinist church, okay. reformed theology. Yeah. And so there was clear discrepancies between what they taught and how that affected the practice. Mm-hmm. Clear, clear differences. And so even though I didn't know why, like I didn't know why, you know why Midtown used the King James Bible, I didn't know what the heck dispensationalism meant. Yeah. I, like that's just a big, right. that, was, that was a nebulous word to me. Right. Knew nothing. Like I knew I was saved and that, and that was good enough for me. And mm-hmm. I was evangelizing. Um, I was investing in people. But in terms of ha- having a handle on doctrine, not so much, but I knew the discrepancy between the two places that I was at, not both of them could not be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And maybe neither of them were true. I mean, I had to come to the conclusion, like maybe Midtown's wrong and maybe my church in Columbia is wrong, yeah. but maybe Midtown's right. And the thing that really drew me to Midtown was the fruit that was coming from that church. I couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, leaving the church I was currently, I was at for my freshman year of vet school Getting plugged into a uh, a different Baptist church in Columbia, which God absolutely used. So God used that period in my life to yeah. really solidify what I believe to be true doctrinally, theologically, everything that I understand about ministry. Now God used that period to really work that stuff out. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting because it was on one hand a wilderness time because you were out when you wanted to be here, mm-hmm. doing you yeah. know doing the school thing. But at the same time, it was like this amazing time of growth. And so, you did discipleship long distance from Columbia. Uh, you were in contact with Dan, and, and and he was doing this kind of long distance thing, really ultimately mm-hmm. preparing you for when you come back that you'd be established and ready for ministry that you could jump in. And um, so, so tell us about that time. I mean, you were plugged into a church out there, but it was just kind of um, te- a temporal. Yeah. So thing.
1: God used the church uh, mm-hmm. big time, and He used that time in my life. Like, there's people there that. Um, I still actually, I was just talking to one of the guys yesterday via email, like mm-hmm. um, awesome time where God really helps solidify, again, what I believe doctrinally, but reality is, is, those churches didn't have a structured, consistent, repeatable, and I would say biblical model of discipleship mm-hmm. or even process to move forward in. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't getting discipled. Yeah, I saw, um, well, so Blade, my brother, he was plugged in Midtown at the time And he just took off, you know, it's like- His growth
0: was like exponential. Very quick. Yeah.
1: And so he gets plugged in and he just like buys in full bore, you know, he doesn't slow down. So he gets plugged in. He went through D1. He got into D2. He's helping lead praise. He's helping lead uh, in Kaya. There was, you know, there were multiple things he was Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. I'm off at school in one of the darkest times of my, like times of my life, you know, um, very busy schedule. I wouldn't say I've ever been like depressed, but if it was a if there was a time where i would have been closest to it, it would have been that period for about mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, freshman sophomore year of that school. At that same time, you know, I'd recently met Carla, my my wife now. Same thing. She she was in LFBi. Like she'd gone through D one. She'd gone through D two. She was in LFBi. And so I'm over there just feeling like I am constantly missing out.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and it was you, and you were.
1: <laughs>
0: thanks all but right. God used all yeah, of it God, God used all of it yeah absolutely and, and so um, man but when you when you got back you too were able to go full bore it was, it was though ultimately as though you never you never missed anything I mean God's no. God's got you in a position where you're you're blessed and fruitful and, and ministry's exciting
1: well so even the little that I felt that I knew all I had to do for three to four years was just say okay I'm going to obey Acor- do do according to what I've been given, and I'm going to obey that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, locking down virtue, it really protected me when I came back because then, when I actually got the knowledge from LFBI, D2, LFBI, all that kind of stuff, the virtue was locked down. Yeah. You, was, were pre-
0: you were prepared for it and for it to take root and, and be meaningful. And so now God is, is got you moving forward. Um, you're, you're leading this fellowship class with Van Sneed, which is exciting. Um, There's so many wonderful things going on at Living Faithly Summit, and you're getting equipped. So tell us about your involvement with LFBI and and what that's been like and and how that's affected your ability to invest in people.
1: The courses that helped me the most were the Bible survey books. So Mm -hmm. the four different sections that walk through the Old Testament, New Testament, um, ultimately just helps you, it helps me put, or it helped me put everything into context. And so then when I go to study, I know... Uh, I can go deeper in my study and deeper in my application because of it, because I know how the seemingly more convoluted passages actually fit within the context mm-hmm. of the Bible as a whole. Yeah, it becomes
0: less abstract.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's good. The other course that helped me, um, at least that I gleaned the most from, uh, was even the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Brian Clark taught that. Yeah. There were a lot of things about that book that I, I just didn't know how to filter through. Mm-hmm. I mean, that class was very helpful just to help weed weed out... Uh, difficult passages, passages mm-hmm. that people use to, you know, like Hebrews 6, the be- first nine verses of Hebrews 6. Mm-hmm. How in the world do you address a passage like that? You know? yeah. Um so yeah, I really enjoyed the book of Hebrews. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the, the course. The course. The course. Covering Hebrews. the book of Hebrews. Yeah, that's good.
0: It's clear that God's using you. And it's been awesome to watch, at least from a distance, how God is is growing you. And um, I'm thankful that LFBI gets to be even a small part of that. Um, as, as you're doing the work of the ministry. Uh, I'm going to ask you, because I ask everybody, and it seems like the right thing to do. What's your favorite <laughs> PostScript episode?
1: I think the one that sticks out uh, in my mind the most is actually Chris Best, and if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny Morgan. What, Kenny did, Morgan. Didn't Kenny Morgan and Chris Best do both uh, did parenting. parenting, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the parenting one was... And again, this was before we even knew we were having a kid. Mm-hmm. But even before we knew, uh, it was very practical. And again, I wasn't raised—I wasn't raised with a biblical model of parenting. My parents instill, like, like I said at the very beginning, my parents laid foundational things that actually are biblical, whether or not they mm-hmm. knew they were laying those yeah. those mentalities and perspectives. But when it comes to like uh, a biblical model of discipline. Um, how to actually train up your child and mm-hmm. the nurture and admission of the Lord not just teach them about God but actually train them up yeah like I hadn't considered the the intentionality that it takes to do that mm-hmm. and so now that I am you know we're due August August 12th that's a lot more prominent on my mind yeah so I think that was the one that really has stuck with me the most honestly
0: man well, that's awesome. It's, it's good to know that, that those episodes are helpful. I heard just recently someone else say the exact same thing that the parenting episodes have been really good. We're going to have to do some more of those. And I, in fact, we've already got some lined up. So cool. Yeah. That'll, good. Ho- I'll take hopefully it. Hopefully that'll help you. I think we're going to deal with more teenage stuff.
1: Okay. Well, I got a while. I've got a while for look that. Ahead. But, okay.
0: Look ahead. <laughs> Hunter, thanks for coming and hanging out, driving across town and, and hanging out with me here and doing this episode. And, uh, I'm grateful for you again, man. It's cool to watch what God's doing. We're praying for you. And we, we ask that God would further your ministry work and, and that God would grow that fellowship class.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah.
0: I want to thank you for hanging out with us uh, for this episode of Shorts, where we get together with students from the Bible Institute. Uh, and we want to invite you. We want to use this as kind of like a you know an opportunity to say, if you want to be a part of learning and growing in God's word, while you minister in your local church, while you get trained and discipled in the work of ministry, come join us. Visit lfbi.org. Check out our program of study. Check out uh, all the things about who we are. It's all there available for you to check out. Uh, Look at our courses, upcoming courses that we're offering. But we would love it if you just jumped in and started learning with us and made yourself more ready for whatever God has ahead of you. But we love you. We're grateful for this time. And we can't wait to hang out with you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. thanks for listening to the postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.